0: a version of bread the french have the baguette and the croissant we have those if you go to a latin american country you'll probably find a tortilla of some kind if you go into europe and especially in greece you'll find a pita bread and that's common almost anywhere in a lot of cultures where they can split it open and make some sort of sandwich about if you go to china you'll find those little buns that my daughter loves so much but of course here in america it's just white bread right I mean, that's that's the staple of many meals in the United States. And around the world, we have all different versions of bread. And it becomes symbolic, in many ways, of the commonness of things. It's a building block for a meal. It's a staple in every diet. And when you and I think of this, you as you watched the video, saw that in the old world, in the biblical world, it was the same way. Bread was significant. It was a metaphor. It was common in every meal. And it's that very commonness of bread that makes it a perfect metaphor for our lives. As we look at ourselves as bread, if we're honest, most of what we do is ordinary, right? It's not extraordinary. It, you get up. You, you go to work. You get paid or unpaid, if it is work. You tinker at hobbies. You do your best in the things around your house. You shuttle kids or grandkids back and forth to different places. You, you mow the lawn. You do groceries. You, you do ordinary things. For the most part, our everyday life, the things that we do are common. Most people around us are, are that way, too. And, and like bread, it's ordinary. Nothing spectacular about it. It's just what it is. And maybe that's how you see yourself. Maybe you see yourself in a life that doesn't matter much. It's just ordinary you live, though, many times, I think some of us do, a, a manic sort of life. We, we grab and we gather and we go around hurriedly trying to get things done. And, may, and maybe you even feel like some things are out of your reach. That some things are just beyond what you can get. You, you wrestle with a voice inside your head that says something like, you don't matter, you're less than, you'll never be. enough I have good news for you there is more to this life than what you see there's more around us than you can ever imagine because God is involved I think if you look throughout the scriptures if you look you'll discover that nothing is as common as it seems not even bread if you Look around. You see that bread fell from heaven as a sign of God's provision in the Old Testament. As you look at that metaphor, you remember from the video that the law was referred to as bread for daily provisions. Scripture we'll look at today talks about Jesus feeding the multitudes, the 5,000, and he did that with bread. He even referred to himself as The bread of life. You look at those things. And and yet even on the night that he suffered, the Bible says that Jesus took bread and he broke it and he gave it to them as a picture of his body being broken for their sins and the sins of the world. Luke records three stories in his gospel about Jesus taking bread in his hands Blessing it, breaking it, and giving it. I want to look at the first of those stories today. If you would stand with me in honor of reading God's word, Luke 9, verses 10 through 12. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. If you know the background, Jesus had sent them out two by two to do the work of the ministry. And they had come back successfully. He sent them out. And as he sent them out, he he said, don't take anything with you. Basically, live off the blessings of God as you go. And they came back, and they had so changed the world that Herod started to pay attention. If you remember, John did no miracles. But Jesus and his disciples were doing things that were shaking the world in Israel upside down. And he began to take notice of Jesus. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. They did that because of Herod, what was happening. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote, some scriptures say desolate, place. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come to your word today and we read it and some are in a desolate, barren place today. The ordinary nature of life has led them to feel like there is not more There's not enough, but in you there is always enough. Lend our eyes, our spiritual ones, to that truth. Show us that life is not merely ordinary, but extraordinary in your hands. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. When you look at that passage of scripture, I think you observe a couple of things. First of all, uh, the needs of the people were overwhelming. Remember, the disciples told them to go away. Uh, We'll talk about that in a minute. It's really not that bad what they were trying to do, but it wasn't in Jesus' plan. Secondly, resources are short supply. It was obvious that there wasn't enough. So the impulse, at least from the disciples, was to send the people away, but it's not entirely uncompassionate. It's also practical. I remember during the um, tornado, or hurricane rather, that that hit Louisiana, uh, and how people were devastated. My daughter lives in Texas, and, and I began to watch as people flew from that devastation, and along the way, like ants, they got every bit of of resources that they could get along the way, trying to get away from the hurricane and give themselves enough supply for the next few weeks. It was so bad, where my daughter lived in Austin, even the Walmarts and and Home Depots and places were running out of things like generators and wood and supplies like water that you wouldn't even imagine. So I went at 2 o'clock in the morning to the Walmart where I lived in Edmond, And I know because the bank said, you're making an unusual purchase. (laughs) I did, because at 2 o'clock in the morning, I was buying all the stuff that she could not find in Texas to take down to her because it was gone. You see, when you have a whole lot of people in one place, resources become few, don't they? And the disciples were smart enough, individuals, to see that 5,000 people in a remote location would not have enough food. They wouldn't have enough places to sleep. They just wouldn't have enough. So it wasn't like the disciples were necessarily being bad or evil or uncaring. They looked at the situation, and the only solution that they saw was that we need to spread these people out because they're never going to find enough in this one remote location. We need to distribute them in some way. So Jesus send them away so that they can find enough to eat really wasn't that bad of a thing they were doing it just I think over the years we've read into that the disciples were uncaring in some way I really don't believe that's what was going on they recognized the limited nature of the resources and they needed to spread these people out if we're honest though I think that's how we feel when we see the needs of our friends and family sometimes it can be overwhelming it can feel overwhelming You turn on the news and you're bombarded with tragedies and hardships. We see over 600 have killed so far in Israel with the battle with Hamas. Things like that confront us every day. You scroll through Facebook and you see difficult diagnoses from doctors. You see friends and family who have experienced unexpected losses. You see that people you know are dealing with tragedy, and things that they really don't know how to handle. And a a, a simple sad face emoji is just not enough, is it? A little set of praying hands on your Facebook page doesn't really carry forth as much as you might like. But what can you really do? Sometimes it just seems like it's too much. And on top of that, you've got all your stuff to deal with. You're dealing with your own set of of unexpected tragedies and, and failures and problems that you must wrestle with yourself. Your own life its not a walk in the park either, is it? Send them away, Jesus. I think it's what we want to say sometimes. But Jesus wouldn't let them or us off the hook. We can't just send the problems away. Look at Luke 9, 13 through 17 as Jesus' response to the disciples when they asked to send them away. He replied, you give them something to eat. And I'm sure when Jesus said that, the disciples went, what? I don't have anything. You realize that this, the resurrection and this, the feeding of the 5,000 are the only two miracles that are recorded in all four Gospels. So this must be very significant, don't you think? That all the disciples recorded that. Many of them recorded different kinds of of events. As you look through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you know we've talked about them being the synoptic gospels. They see things together. They they write on the general outline, and John's is different. But even John, along with the three, record this miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. They answered, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go buy food for all the crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of 50 each. And The disciples did so. And everyone sat down taking the five loaves and two fishes and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and he broke them then. He gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. Jesus blessed the bread. Jesus broke the bread. And Jesus gave the bread. Those three actions changed the whole story didn't it from a desolate place to a place that became abundance from a desert to a banquet a story that began with not enough ends with there being more than enough and that's what happens when Jesus takes something that we think is ordinary bread and blesses it breaks it And gives it. I think those three words, blessed, broken, and given, can change the story for us too. Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks to the Father and he blessed it. He it was broken, and it was given. And so it is for you. Your life is common and ordinary, like bread is. In the hands of Jesus, becomes something so much more. First of all, in the hands of Jesus, your life becomes blessed. We look at that that blessedness, that that joy that comes from Jesus touching your life is not about an accumulation or achieving more. That's not what I mean by blessed. Blessedness is about having, I think, your true identity, who you really are in Jesus, recovered, and your true purpose... Put to use. Who you were meant to be in Jesus. Like it was in the garden. How we were supposed to relate to God is put back together. The Bible says you're given a new name. A name is written down in heaven. And once you were a sinner, but now you are a saint. Once you were far off, but now you're a cherished family member. Eastern Orthodox theologian Alexander Shaman wrote these words. God blesses everything he creates. In biblical language, this means that he makes all creation the sign and the means of his presence and wisdom and revelation. You become a sign. You become wisdom for the world you become revelation for the world as they see god bless break and give your life that's who you are for the world number 2 in the hands of jesus your life becomes broken but in a new way there are several kinds of blo- brokenness and in week 3 we're going to look at those a little bit more in depth uh, as we think about brokenness but But think of me, think with me about brokenness. First of all, there's a brokenness that comes from frailty, from frailty. The finiteness and limitations that we have. There's only so much I can do. I'm frail. Then there's a brokenness that comes from our own failure, that has to do with our sin. That has to do with our participation and spreading wickedness in this life. And we are all sinners, the Bible says, right? And falling short of the glory of God. And then there is a brokenness that is the pain of living in a fallen world. It is the suffering and it is the pain that all of us endure just because we live here, because we're human. But all of these kinds of brokenness all of them can be placed in Jesus' hands. When you place your brokenness, your failure, your frailty, your your suffering in Jesus' hands, you become open to the grace of God. And and. I want to remind you, this brokenness is not about wallowing in your own sin or fixating on how miserable you are. I'm not talking about that. To be broken is to allow the grace of God to humble you, to lead you into vulnerability, to being open to God and to those around you. And it's that that God uses to transform your heart he remakes you remember we talked about the potter weeks ago how he takes the broken vessel and reforms it and makes it into something new it's that process that brokenness that god uses to change you into what he wants brokenness becomes openness in the hands of jesus after all bread that is not broken cannot be shared Think of Jesus as he is with the disciples, and he has a piece of bread much like this, unleavened. It would have been unleavened bread. But he has 12 disciples around him, right? What does he have to do? He has to break the bread that he can hand it to the other disciples, and it can be broken in turn and given to all of them. That is the process of brokenness in your life. That God would break you and hand you out to the world. There is hunger all around us. There is a deep groaning for something more. And when your life is blessed and broken in the hands of Jesus, he gives you out to the world. You. You become bread for the world. A hungry world discovers what Jesus can do because of you. You become the way that others can find the bread of life. You're what Jesus uses. But in a way, for you to experience that blessedness, you have to embrace the brokenness. That's the way it is. The only way you will be consecrated in the way that God wants is to be allowed to be broken, to be used by God. Luke 9 16 says taking the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven he gave thanks and he broke them and he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people one of the remarkable things about the story of Jesus is that he gives the bread back to the disciples think about that he was able to multiply that but he gave it back to the disciples makes me wonder this if He did the miracle of multiplication. Could he not do a miracle of distribution? Why involve the disciples at all? I mean, he could have done it that way, right? I mean, he's the same God that distributes manna for the Israelites in the Old Testament all over the place. He could have done that. Jesus told the disciples to give people something to eat in Luke 9, 13. We read that. But they wanted to send the people away. Disciples saw the crowd as a problem, and Jesus saw them as the disciples' responsibility. They saw a problem. Jesus saw an opportunity for the disciples. And now because Jesus' miraculous blessing on that bread, what was not enough became more than enough for everybody. And the weary disciples who were willing to be bearers of bad news to hungry people now become carriers of good news to those same people. Isn't that amazing how he uses us? And that's what Jesus does. He He, he blesses us. He takes our brokenness and turns it into something that can be good for somebody else. For you, purpose is restored. You have meaning again. That emptiness is now filled with purpose. You are here to bless others. Your your calling, so to speak, has been put back on track. Where we lost it in the garden and we fell because of sin and we were all sinners. Now because of Jesus' blessing, we are put back on track to fulfill our purpose. The goal for which we were created. Blessedness and brokenness are for the sake of givenness. We're to be given and we're to give that leads me i think to really in the few moments we have the nature of the gospel the thing is we can't miss that this whole text is talking about really a hero Uh, you know you know it can't be the boy and his lunch although we want to you know talk about how great it was that he'd give up his lunch you know here's this one you, you read in matthew Uh, Here's this one that's got, you know, fishes and loaves, but it's all we have, but he's willing to give it. He's not really the hero of the story. It's not the disciples who learned a valuable lesson. It's not that they learned that they were to be blessings instead of curses, you know. It's really about Jesus, isn't it? And it's about how Jesus responds to the crowd following him to this remote, desolate place. Luke 9, 11 says, but the crowds learned about it and followed him, and he welcomed them, and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Jesus is the host. Jesus welcomed the people. Jesus taught the people. Jesus healed the people. And Jesus fed the people. Jesus prepares a feast for those same people. Not only is it Jesus who welcomed the people, Jesus feeds them. Jesus is, is always there with an abundance. I've come to give them life and what? More abundantly. Overflowing. Filled. More and more and more. Grace is always more. Isn't it? Grace always offers more. When you sin, grace, what? Abounds We're told in the New Testament, enough, more than enough. Luke 9, 17, they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. Jesus turned a desolate place into a place of abundance, a place of more than enough. That's what Jesus does. The question is, do we see it? Is that what we see when we look at the world? Do we see the world as Jesus saw it, as he sees it now? You have to wonder if Jesus really saw their location as remote and deserted. Was it to him remote and deserted? It was to the disciples. They saw it differently. Or did he really know that wherever he went was a place of abundance? A place of more than enough. A place that was full the glory of god this is all jesus's work and that's really the good news you don't have to be epic you're ordinary you're bread but in the hands of jesus your ordinary becomes crammed with the glory of god with the extraordinary and now life becomes miraculous and holy because Jesus has touched your life. That's what happens when Jesus gets his hands on you. We need to open our eyes and see God at work. When you look at the Old Testament, you see the Hebrew poets, the poets. they saw it. They saw what God was doing. Listen to these words. Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell in it, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Psalm 75, or 57, rather. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Isaiah 6 3. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth is full of his glory. God, the holy God, is everywhere. And He is above and he is beyond everything that you currently see. The ordinary. He is filling not only the heavens, but the Bible says the earth as well. It's full of his glory. Think about that for a minute. God fills everything. He has all his creation. Long before the prophet Isaiah wrote those words in Isaiah 6.3, there was a herdsman named Jacob who had a dream. The heavens opening up, and, and he was on the run. If you remember, he was embarrassed. He had swindled his brother Esau out of a blessing and, and lied to his father and gone through that whole nonsense. It was a blessing of the firstborn, if you remember. The blessing was practiced, it had come to symbolize, if you will, the trajectory of that life. You're going to be blessed, and you're going to move forward, and you're going to be the one that leads. And, but he stole that destiny. I wonder what he saw that laid before him. As Jacob laid his hat, head down that night, he could only maybe sleep a troubled sleep. The Bible says he found a stone as a pillow. You wouldn't think that would be suitable for pleasant dreams, would you? <laughs> I mean, a rock. But even as he was running for his life, he slept and he dreamt. He saw the heavens open up and the angels ascending and descending. And he heard this voice, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, of your father, and the God of Isaac. Immediately, God identified himself. Jacob's grandfather and Jacob's father, he knew them. Jacob woke up and he said to most... I mean, it's the most obvious words I think you could say. Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. I think that's us. We're Jacob. Surely the Lord is in this place and we act as if we do not know it. God is here, He's been here the whole time. The heavens are open. The whole earth is full of his glory. It's not just the sun raising in the morning and how wonderful that is. It's not just the the smell of, of freshly mowed grass. It's not the birds singing in the trees. As wonderful as all that is, God's glory is more than that. He's abundance. He's fullness. And it's available to us as a child of the love. There are gifts from God, ordinary, extraordinary, earthly, certainly. But they're all filled with his glory, no matter how common they may seem. I mean, I can reduce things to to technical descriptions and itemized particles. I, I can explain a symphony as mathematics. I've had classes about that when I studied music. I can take it apart, but... It's more than that when you put it to, It's more than intonation and tonal differences. It, it, it's somehow a blessing when it's in the hands of God. Each moment, each breath, each thought, each act, there is something more going on when I place it in God's hands. It's not merely ordinary. Place your life In Jesus' hands. Your ordinary life can be crammed full of glory. Your not enough can become more than enough. Your everyday can become full of purpose. When your life is blessed, when your life is broken, and when your life is given. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you and thank you for the feeding of the 5,000. We thank you what we learn in that and how we have started on this four-week journey of blessed, broken, and given. Help us to see with your eyes. The disciples saw a desolate, barren place, but you saw opportunity and responsibility motivate us to be responsible today motivate us to be your hands and feet motivate us to be willing to be given to look beyond the ordinary and see your fullness in everything we pray in jesus holy name amen